question is, are you ready? This is The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. Well, hello. You are on a Thursday drive where we start with the latest on Sam Darnold. Just like yesterday, he was very limited at practice dealing with the concussion and a right shoulder injury, and his status for the Patriots game is still very up in the air. Okay, we all know quarterback is the most important position on the field, but who that quarterback is only matters if you've got a sure thing franchise quarterback, which I think I feel pretty comfortable saying Sam Darnold isn't. So his status does not affect my view of Sunday's game at all. Right or wrong, one of the first places I go to to get a read on something, at least in sports, is Las Vegas. It's why if college football really just wanted to get the best four teams in the playoff, they should just scrap this committee and get the folks who set the lines to do it. How many points does the Panthers-Patriots line move if Darnold can't play on Sunday? A half point? Does it even move at all? Take Aaron Rodgers. When that news came down yesterday, the Packers' chief line moved five points in favor of the Chiefs. That is massive. Panthers-Patriots, if Darnold can't play, not at all. And it's because P.J. Walker is capable of coming in and winning a game. That's exactly what he did last year. The numbers were pretty good. He had a couple of goal line picks in the game, which you never want in his first start. But they won the game 20 to nothing against Detroit, and he completed, despite those two picks, 71% of his 34 passes. 71%. He was 24 of 34. 250, 260 yards in the game. Especially after getting a full week of reps, I think P.J. can come in and win this game. Matt Rule, who knows P.J. pretty well, given that there's the temple tie there was talking about P.J. yesterday and why what he saw from P.J. last year makes him confident. Even against the Patriots and Belichick, P.J. could have some success. When he went in and played last year against Detroit, I mean, he had some of our most explosive plays of the year, but then he had two red zone uh, turnovers that you can't have. And so I think part of it is understanding that, you know, when you put your backup quarterback in, in most games, you know, your, the deck's slightly tilted against you, so you can kind of put a game manager in there who's going to hand the ball off, and or you can put a guy in there that has a chance to make some plays. P.J. can make some plays. He's just got to discipline that with good decision-making and protecting the football. And so if P.J. protects the football, um, you know, he can move teams. It sounds like a big if, but have you watched Sam Darnold over the last five games he's played? Darnold has been a turnover machine making a ton of mistakes. And Darnold, when facing Belichick, predictably has not fared very well. Robert, Darnold is 0-3 against the Patriots in his career. In those games combined, one touchdown, six interceptions, never surpassed 300 yards, only 200 in one of the games. He was under 100 yards passing in another. That doesn't sound very good, does it? Yeah, they had him seeing ghosts last time, right? And it's also crazy he only played them three times because he was in the same division with him. If he was in the division for three years, you would think he would have six matchups. Injuries, mono, they'll get you. Part of me feels like the Patriots might actually have more problems 
trying to prepare for P.J. Walker, given the minimal amount of tape that you have this week, than you would if you were facing Darnold. Maybe that's a stretch too far. The Patriots, they've seen all sorts of quarterbacks. I don't think they'd be afraid of either Darnold nor P.J. Walker. The quarterback's role on this team is to get out of the way. Matt kind of said it delicately a few days ago. It wasn't very subtle. That they were a defensive football team. That's who they are. They're a defensive football team. Then he couched it by saying, I only say that because all of our first-round picks, essentially, are on defense. Derek Brown, J.C. Horn, if he were healthy, Stephon Gilmore, a former first-round pick, making his debut with the Panthers last week, this week, except for his former team. Especially with help coming back, the quarterback's job is to not do too much, and under no circumstances do you turn it over. Christian McCaffrey, he might return this week. Terrace Marshall Jr. is going to from a concussion that's cost him the last two games. Pat Elfline on the O-line, expected to come back. Justin Burris on defense, expected to come back. So I like Carolina's chances in this game. And I feel good saying that right now because Sam Darnold's status does not affect my view of this game at all. On Twitter at WSJS Sports, if you want in, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. What's your view on Panthers-Patriots? Robert Walsh is the producer of this show, as always. And we've got intern Nick in the house, too. The all, the entire gang's here. We have Duke-Georgia, Duke-Pittsburgh tickets to give away in about 10 minutes. We have a pair to give away this hour and a pair to give away later on in the show. As somebody who loves college football and college basketball so much, and I do, I'm a pretty big fan of the draft. Robert is an absolute nerd when it comes to the draft. But there is one thing that's kind of turned me off of the basketball draft in recent years, and that's, it's kind of looked like the Major League Baseball draft a bit. A lot of developmental players at the top, You watch the draft, and you know that these are guys you're probably not going to see. But for another three or four years in the best-case scenario, maybe some of them never get to the majors because they mire away in the minors their entire career. So what's the point of even watching the draft if your team's taking a player that you're going to forget about maybe within an hour or the next day and perhaps never even see play? for your team in the majors. The NBA had started to become that. When the Hornets took a guy named Noah Vonley one year, took some guys that weren't any good. You look at the draft, last year's draft, for example. Aside from LaMelo, James Wiseman, and Anthony Edwards, not a lot of big-time players I see from last year's class. You see some guys who might be rotational guys, and many more who aren't going to be. I think Tyrese Halliburton, pretty good player from last year, but many others that, if I even say their name right now, you probably wouldn't even remember them. This year's class looks different, though. I'm really excited. I don't think it's too soon to say this, but this rookie class, Robert, is already shaping up to be special. There aren't, there don't seem to be any misses at the top. Six of the top eight picks 
are top four on their teams right now in scoring. With the low end being at around 11 points per game, and the high end being, for your Toronto Raptors, Scotty Barnes, third on the team in scoring, with 18-19 a game. It's pretty impressive. The only two exceptions to that in the top eight, the first overall pick, Cade Cunningham, and Jonathan Kuminga with Golden State, and there are pretty obvious reasons why those guys haven't been great yet. Cunningham, there's a reason why the Detroit Pistons had the number one pick. There are a lot of other details there if you want to read up on that. And Kaminga, Golden State's trying to win right now, and you can't really expect anybody in the top ten to step onto a team that's an actual contender and expect to compete and be a part of that rotation, and Kaminga isn't right now. But that upside might pan out. A lot of these guys have been really good. Robert, I make it top four because the rap. You look at the Orlando Magic, they've got two picks that they seem to hit on. Jalen Suggs has had his moments, and their second leading scorer right now is Franz Wagner, who really stood out to me when he went head to head with Charlotte. I was like, who is this dude? Oh, that's the Franz Wagner from Michigan last year? He's really good. Evan Mobley saw him working Charlotte earlier this week. Jalen Green second on his team in scoring. Josh Giddy was giving some teams the business watching some of the highlights out there. I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't sat down and watched Oklahoma City from beginning to end. I know they have the Lakers later on tonight. But I really like the very top. And then there are guys scattered across the rest of this first round that have already stood out in the very little that I've watched in the early part of the NBA season. I don't really go all in when college basketball is about to start and you've got the NFL and college football and the World Series. But I have it on in the background and multiple screens going. Davion Mitchell's been my favorite rookie so far because I loved him at Baylor and what he does to help his team win. It's so much fun to watch at Sacramento. Jalen Johnson didn't like the way he exited Duke, but he's a rotational player right now for Atlanta. Uh, Trey Murphy... He, he's definitely a part of that rotation in New Orleans. They've had a lot of problems right now. James Booknight, he's... If you watch the Hornets and you listen to the way Borrego talks about him, he's going to be a part of the rotation sometime soon. And I think Brooklyn's going to get it right with one of these two first-round picks. Cam Thomas absolutely lit it up, shooting it at LSU. And Dayron Sharp, great rebounder from North Carolina. I know you're pretty excited about these draft picks. This looks like to me, Robert, as an elite rookie class with very few misses, which has been a rarity, as I mentioned, with these NBA drafts of late. Yeah, and I wonder if it's something about like the process getting back to normal for draft picks, like going through COVID, where we had two seasons where like maybe they didn't get a full training camp, maybe they didn't get to practice in their home stadium. A lot of things happening. So I wonder if like getting back to the not to deny the talent that was in this draft, but getting back to the normalcy of like practicing and not having to go through extensive protocols, they're still having to do it, but I wonder if that aids the process of getting these rookies along. But it's been very impressive. You want to hear something crazy? Is it that both the Wagner brothers uh, are on Orlando? No, it's not that. The 2020 draft, Robert, because of how the season was moved around, do you know when it happened? It was November 18th of last year. Which means LaMelo Ball hasn't even been a Charlotte Hornet for a full 365 days. Think about how much the organization and the outlook of Charlotte basketball has changed 
in what hasn't even been 365 days. Crazy to think. We've got a pair of tickets to see Duke play my Pitt Panthers. Fire up the Pitt Panther train. Wallace Wade Stadium, Saturday at noon. If you want them, call us now, 336-777-1600, and we'll line you up to answer one of our football trivia questions we got here. And the number is 336-777-1600. Robert, I want that with every caller that we have. To watch Duke play the Pitt Panthers as the conductor of the Pitt Panther train. Also, also, I'll tell you why my opinion of Wake Forest, North Carolina, uh, Saturday has shifted a bit. Your chance to win tickets, 336-777-1600. And we'll talk Duke or Wake Forest, North Carolina, next on The Drive. Although his mind is still as sharp as ever, he occasionally has trouble seeing small print and needs the assistance of a handheld ferret to read letters. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Saturday at high noon, a couple of games we're going to be paying close attention to. I'll be in Chapel Hill for number nine Wake Forest visiting the four and four Tar Heels. We'll talk about that game in a second. And right here on WSJS Sports, my Pitt Panthers going to be visiting the Duke Blue Devils. Right here, you can listen to that game on WSJS Sports. I want to give away some tickets right now to that game, though. 336-777-1600. I'm going to try and make this easy. I got an NFL trivia question that you can choose from. I got NFL trivia questions, in case you get it wrong. And I've got pit dupe questions. You can try to answer as well. 336-777-1600. Terry and Burlington. I got a pair right now. and We got a pair we're going to give up. Uh, giveaway later on in the show. Terry, do you want an NFL question or a Duke-Pittsburgh-related question? Uh, NFL question. Okay. We are going into week nine of the NFL season, so I feel like we have enough of a sample size to ask about standings at this point. Who is in first place in the AFC West? AFC West, Terry. Who's in first place? The Chargers? It is not the Chargers. I'm sorry, Terry. But it's the Las Vegas Raiders who are well, first I, place. I, I called it wrong. I meant the, I meant the Raiders. Oh, well, I'm sorry. That's a great <laughs> answer. All right. Jerry sorry, Terry. You have to try later. You got to try up a little right, bit right, later right. if you want to win. There you go. There you go. 336-777-1600. You see what I meant to say was just slipped out you know actually I, in my head i said raiders and chargers just came in. you know that happens to me all the time too. here's the thing i actually buy it just because vegas la which team's out there but you know actually i don't buy it because he didn't say la he said the chargers that's what he said I'll if he would have said la i might have given him the benefit of the doubt if he said la and didn't know whether or not it was the chargers or the raiders that we're hanging out in the desert. So Speaking of the desert. Open, though, if people want oh, yeah. to try to win the tickets. 336-777-1600. We got a pair of tickets to go see Duke in Pittsburgh. And speaking of Vegas, I got best bets that we're going to do in about 10 minutes. So we'll line up some more callers. 336-777-1600. And right now I want to talk about that other game. 
That's at high noon on Saturday. Wake Forest, North Carolina. I said yesterday, and I even said this dating back to last week, that the Demon Deacons, most terrifying game remaining on the schedule, the Tar Heels. That's the game that scares me the most because style of play, North Carolina can hang with them. Last year we had that 59-53 game. But then the more and more I hear it talked about nationally and regionally by folks I feel pretty certain haven't sat down and watched a full Wake Forest game yet, I think I'm on the other end of it now. My my opinion has shifted on this game. I don't think the Deeks are going to look past the Tar Heels. And frankly, I think it's disrespectful that they're underdogs in this game. The media and Las Vegas have done Dave Clawson a massive favor by making them underdogs this week. There's no chance they're going to look ahead. No chance of it at all. A lot of people are picking North Carolina this week. It reminds me of how many people in the betting space that I know who seem to be pretty plugged in on things were picking Army when Wake put up 70 points on him. Now, this game might be similar to that. For those who are interested, the total floating around 75, 76, depending on where you look, it might be as high scoring as that, but teasing best bets that we're going to do in 10 minutes, I'm going to go with the Deeks getting points. Because what other opportunity is there to have Wake Forest as an underdog? Probably not going to happen again this year. And the experience factor, that really does matter. It's why they're number nine in the country. This is not random. <laughs> it's not random that Cincinnati is sixth, that they were so good last year, and Wake Forest is number nine. They're older than everybody else. NC State in the top 25, older than everybody else in the ACC. All these starters coming back, and particularly at Wake, where they redshirt classes upon their arrival in Winston-Salem. Wake's just older than everybody. Six-year players, seven-year players. You just don't see that anywhere else. You don't. At least among the teams ranked in the top 25. The experience factor really does matter in this. And you have many of these guys who were there a couple of years ago when Wake Forest blew out NC State, I think 44-10 to 10 was that score. First college football playoff ranking came out, and Wake Forest was ranked. They were ranked on it. Everybody's talking about the game. Everybody's talking about the Deeks. And then they laid an egg on the road at Virginia Tech. That was painful. They finished 1-4 that year after starting 7-1. This is different because that was Virginia Tech they lost to. This week is freaking North Carolina. This game really matters to Wake. That's why they scheduled it out of conference. There are more North Carolina fans in the triad than there are Wake Forest fans. Do you know who gets pissed off when I say that fact? Wake fans. Wake players. They get pissed off by that. So there's no chance that they forgot all the hype. North Carolina being preseason number 10. Sam Hartman hearing that Sam Howe is the best quarterback named Sam in the state. All this stuff. When the season has showed us, Wake Forest is the better team. So getting points here at North Carolina? Wake, they're not going to look past the Tar Heels. Let's give someone else another shot here. 336-777-1600. If you want in on today's show, 
Let's go to Trevor in Greensboro. Trevor, do you want an NFL question or do you want a Pitt Duke related question? We got a pair of tickets to go see Duke and Pittsburgh hanging in the balance. I'll take an NFL question, but it's actually Tim in Greensboro. Oh, hi, Tim. Good to have you with us. I got an NFL question right here for you. Who's in last place in the NFC South? Yeah, last last week's game might have factored into that. That's a good question. It's not Atlanta. Okay, let's go with Atlanta. Atlanta is the answer to that question. Well done! You've got tickets to Duke and Pittsburgh Saturday. Enjoy the game. Fantastic. Thank you very much. There you go. That's Trevor in Greensboro. Can he have a choo-choo on the way out real quick? <laughs> he can get the music jacked up. That's oh, what he I'm can sorry. get. I'm sorry. You know what? I'm sorry. He can I'm get the sorry. music jacked up. I'm sorry. Hey, Trevor, I'm going to hand you to my intern. Yeah. But your mic's still on, Robert. Hey, no, I knew that. I just wanted to hit Trevor to know. Let me get him a choo-choo on the way out. I didn't even realize that that is Duke's fight song. And the reason I didn't know that is because Duke scored one time last week. It is super weird, though, because I was recording it and I was like, this is a little bop. Because usually when you listen to fight songs, it's like almost the same thing, right? And just like different, like it's like almost like hymns at church. Like they all sound the same, like the cavalry's coming, we get it. But Duke's is like... A little different. I, I was impressed by it. You just never get to hear the fight song. See, you hear it at basketball games, but it, there's no rhyme or reason when the fight song plays. You know, you just score all the time in the game. So I hear that song. I just thought it was something they play at Duke basketball games. I didn't know what the fight song was. Could you, if you didn't have the lyrics and you just had the music, do the ECU fight song? Oh, wow. I can do like the loyal I think, and bold. We're the purple and gold. We are the Pirates of East. There's no chance. There's no chance I can get the words, but I guarantee you I'm good enough. This is like radio version of a taste test trying to recognize what flavor of what, what, what soda you're drinking between Pepsi and Coke. If you played a fight song in the state of North Carolina, I'd know what that fight song is. I feel confident in that, that if you played the fight songs from the state, like in-state teams, how many teams do we want to pull that you think I can get? See, I wish we would have known this before the show because now I've got to like find YouTube links of each one of these and make uh-huh. sure there's no ads coming See, up. See, but now here's the thing. I, I can remember them off the top of my head right now. Like NC State says, That's every fight song. That's NC State. North Carolina's is... I'm a Tar Heel born, I'm a Tar Heel bred, and when I die, I'm a Tar Heel dead, so it's rah rah care. That that's theirs. God, that's not just something Walmart Carolina fans say. No, that's 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 the fight song. <laughs> wow, I had no idea. Trying to think, Wake Forest. Oh I I don't know how to make the sounds with my mouth that can make it sound like Wake Forest's fight song. You wanna hear it? Yeah, let's let's do that. Cross your fingers for no ads. We're good. Yeah. Let's go. 
Which one do you like the best? I don't know because they, so we've covered the four ACC the teams. No, they don't. You just said the All Duke right, one's is, a bop. This is state. Oh, this is states. My segment right now. Oh yeah, Nick, get your rant. Oh no, Nick. <laughs> not now. We're not doing your rant. Nick can't have an opinion on this because he's partial. Robert's impartial, and I'm impartial. I, I'm i trying to figure out which of these four is the best. It's probably Carolinas. I really like Carolinas. Uh, you're just trying to curry favor with them. You know you've been in the doghouse no. for a while, and you're like, oh, I'll throw them a bone. They got the best fight song. They might what finish was funny six is in the ACC. But. Somebody who hosts a Carolina podcast reached out to me and had me on their show, like the Talk Tar Heels, and... I wondered if they knew about how much North Carolina fans were annoyed with me because he asked me a question. He's like, I got North Carolina to win the ACC, yeah. and I think they're going to be a one seed at the NCAAs. What do you think of that? He 100% knew. 100% knew. Um, I do not agree with that. Sorry. Did thanks for having six? me. Did you say you're a I did. I did. What did he say? What was his rebuttal? He quickly moved on. <laughs> ah, talking about Armando. Yeah. Baker. So let's uh, let's uh, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about uh, Greensboro. Yeah, do that. Hair is white, isn't it? Boy, that thing is a nice. I'm gonna one. miss it. That's <laughs> what I'm gonna miss. Yeah, just trying to curry favor with them. So I hinted that Saturday's game in Chapel Hill might make an appearance in this week's bets. Well, I'll run down all seven that I got on my card in front of me here. Next on the drive. He is a locker room divider. He can't be a problem. You're on the drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Bets were three and five last week. Had a few bad beats sprinkled in there. With the way NC State scored a couple of times in the final five minutes. And UTEP scoring a few times to make that game tight and Boca Raton hurt us a little bit. But we're still over 500 and we're still undeterred. 27 and 25, our record on the year. I've got seven bets to hand out right now. Your attention, please. Please do not turn off your radio. Why? Robert, you want college or pro first? Uh, give me the college one. Bet what you know. That's what we did a couple weeks ago. It went really well for us. We went 6-2. and two. Florida State, NC State. Seminoles are getting two and a half. I will take that candy, and I'll take Florida State to pull off the air quote upset of the pack in tally. We saw the catastrophe last week with the pitching and... The laterals that ended up in a Clemson touchdown to cover the number. I think FSU is getting better as the season goes on. NC State still trying to reckon with the injuries they've had. Been pretty bad on the road. They've played three road games. Only one win that was against Boston College, who joins Duke as the only teams of the ACC did not win a conference game. They've lost at Mississippi State, looked bad in doing so. They lost at Miami, too. I think this is a look-ahead spot for State. They got 
a matchup with a top 10 ranked team in Wake Forest a week from now. Sounds crazy to say that, but I think it's true. FSU beats NC State in Tallahassee. So sure, I'll take the points in that game. Put some money on it. Wake Forest plus two and a half against North Carolina. Adam Gold was talking about this a little bit earlier, and AG's going to join us at 4.30, so in about an hour. I don't know how North Carolina's going to get Wake off the field. Now, Wake Forest might not be able to stop North Carolina either, but I do think there's a better chance that that happens than the former. We've actually seen a game where Virginia, less than a week removed from dropping 40 points in Chapel Hill, was held to 17 on their home field at Scott Stadium against these Deeks. So perhaps, especially after building some confidence against Duke last week, starters shutting out the Blue Devils, maybe the defense plays a little bit better than you think. I would stay away from the total, even though I know that's something a lot of people are looking at. Wake Forest is ninth in the country and they're getting points. This is the last opportunity to bet Wake Forest with points this year. So I'm going to take advantage of that opportunity. Like with the Seminoles, I'm going to take the two and a half with Wake Forest heading into Chapel Hill. Put some money on it. Last college game. UTEP screwed me last week, so I'm going to ride the Miners this week. UTEP's getting 11 and a half against UTSA. The Roadrunners, they're mad because they're not ranked this week. Uh, despite the fact they're unbeaten and ranked in the top 20 of the AP poll. UTSA, they played more tight games than they've played blowout, which is rare for teams that are unbeaten at the group of five level at this point. UTEP kept things close when I didn't think they'd be able to against a good FAU team last week. They are 6-2. They are at home. El Paso, underrated city. Been there a couple of times. I think this is going to be a great game that I see being razor thin. I don't know if UTEP's going to pull off the upset, but they're going to cover the 11 and a half. Put some money on it. NFL, Robert, your Ravens were off last week. What did they do two weeks ago? Uh, they got slacked by the Bengals. Good coaches don't lose twice in a row. Good coaches in the NFL are also good after the bye. John Harbaugh is a good coach, and they're playing a team that lost to Cooper Rush at home last week. Ravens aren't even laying a touchdown here. Six points. Baltimore is 9-4 and four against the spread after buys under John Harbaugh. I think they win this game. I think they win it by a ton. Lay the points and laugh. This game's being played at the bank in Baltimore. Put some money on it. For the first time this year in Best Bets, I'm not betting the spread here. I'm going to bet a total. Giants Raiders in the Meadowlands, the total is 46 and a half. This Giants defense, sneaky good. We saw it against Kansas City on Monday night. We certainly saw it when the Panthers were up there. No Henry Ruggs. Tough week for the Raiders again. A lot of distractions in the building. I think Vegas should win the game, but I think we're going to go low here. 46 and a half. How's this for a stat? The Giants have gone under 
and seven of their last eight games at home with one push. So there isn't one over in the last eight games the Giants have played at home. Giants D's pretty good. No Henry Ruggs over the top. Vegas traveling from west to east. Love the under in this game. Also, John, to steal your thunder here, but the Giants have been dealing with COVID scares all week, so they really haven't got full weeks of practice. They were supposed to get Saquon back. He tested positive. So they're just in a huge disarray. This is probably my favorite pick of yours for the week. There you go. Put some money on it. Under, 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 46 and a half. Panthers plus three and a half against the Patriots. I still don't know if I'm taking Carolina to win this game. Perhaps I still have some time to think about that between now and tomorrow. But I'll take the Panthers plus three and a half against the Patriots. I'm not really that worried about Sam Darnold's status. But Christian McCaffrey potentially playing, that's a big deal. Stephon Gilmore going up against his former team. The Patriots on the back end of back-to-back road games. It's hard to play well multiple weeks in a row, even if you're the Patriots, especially when those games are on the road in the NFL and a rookie quarterback is facing this Panthers defense. So much attention is being paid to how the Panthers are going to react to Belichick's defense. Not enough's being paid to how Mac Jones is going to do facing what I believe to be a top five, top seven NFL defense. Give me the Panthers in this game. I don't know if they'll win it, but more than a field goal, it's just too much. Put some money on it. And the last one I have, you're going to hate this pick. I'm just going to tell you right now, everybody listening to me, you're going to hate this pick. I'm going with the Titans at the LA Rams this week. All I've heard this week. Oh my God, the Rams, they're adding Von Miller. Oh my goodness, the Titans, they're going to be bad now because Derrick Henry's out for a while. The Titans are getting seven and a half here. Consider this stat. Favorites in primetime games this year are 1-10 against the spread. Tennessee's a good team with a good offensive plan. They're going to miss Derrick Henry, but as we've seen with the Panthers and Joe Brady, who I still believe is a good play caller, they won five games last year without Christian McCaffrey in any of those games. So the Titans, they're going to figure out a way to cobble together enough offense to keep this game tight. Titans plus seven and a half. I know you're going to hate it, but I'm rolling with the Titans on Sunday Night Football, a game that you can listen to right here on WSJS Sports. Put some money on it. And there you go. College picks, FSU plus two and a half at State. Or at home against State. Wake Forest plus two and a half at Carolina. UTEP plus a lot of points against UTSA. The Ravens laying six against the Vikings. The Panthers getting three and a half against the Patriots. A game, by the way, that you can watch with us at Stumble Stillskins. Maybe we could talk to the folks at Stumble Stillskins, Robert, to make sure the Ravens game is on, the Giants Raiders game is on, and the Panthers Patriots game is on. So I could see how these all play. You get to see potentially in downtown Greensboro how I am when I'm watching games that I've bet on. You get to see that in real time on Sunday. Yeah. And we're going with the Titans, too. Giants, Raiders, under. Uh, in review of what we've got week nine of the NFL and week 10 of college football. Unless you count Kenneth Walker, I don't really like the chances of a Demon Deacon winning the Heisman this year or any other specific player award in that matter. But I'll make the case for Dave Clawson winning National Coach of the Year. 
next on The Drive. He didn't finish high school. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. It's so crazy to think that Wake Forest is number nine in the country. And when I look at Heisman odds, there's a former Demon Deacon that has pretty good odds to win. That's running the football down Michigan's throat. Actually, Robert, I think he just scored another touchdown against that Michigan Wolverine defense, talking about Kenneth Walker. And Sam Hartman has one of the 10 best odds to win the Heisman as well. And we're sitting here talking about these guys in the beginning of November. It's November 4th. I almost was going to say, remember, remember the 5th of November until I realized it's not November 5th. Nobody has done a better coaching job this year in college football than Dave Clawson. There's going to be an argument put forth for Mel Tucker, and I'm sure some would even argue Alabama just because they lost so much last year and Saban still has them ranked in the top two right now even though they lost a game. But nobody has done a better coaching job than Clawson. This is the cool part to me. Last week after the game against Duke, Clawson said something that he said a few other times in the last year. But the fact that it was front of, my, front of mine after this win was interesting to me. When he was talking about the 2021 season, when he knew that this was going to be a special year, he saw this season coming. Maybe not to this degree, but he saw special season potential in advance. And when you coach at a school that's as small as Wake Forest, that's kind of what you have to do. You have to build up to certain seasons, and it takes time. You can't just reload. You have to build to something. And you need every advantage you can get. It's why at ACC kickoff, the ACC media days three years ago, I remember Clawson was really excited about a rule that had just changed that allowed for players to play in four games and still maintain their redshirt. He said at the time, no place does that help a school more than it helps Wake Forest. There's no place in the country that it helps more than Wake Forest playing in four games when our mentality, just to survive, just to compete, is that we have to redshirt entire classes upon their arrival. It allows for these guys to get some reps. It's why he's, for the last 12 months, been the coach pushing the most for more clarity on what to do with the recruiting scholarships. Like what to do with the scholarships with guys whose year don't count against their eligibility from last year, how to manage all that. He's been on the forefront of pushing for clarity from a roster management perspective, and it's because that's what you have to do in order to have a chance at Wake. So when they ruled a year ago, that they would not count what happened last year against the four-year clock, it was go time for Clawson. It was go time for Wake. And he knew he was going to have an advantage with this year's team given the amount of experience his team has. He knew 
that would be his chance to win. This was Clawson after the Duke game last week. I've told you guys this before that, uh, you know, when we started the 20 season, I told the staff that the most important thing is let's not screw up 21. You know, I didn't know if we were going to play one game or 12 games or six games. Um, but if you looked at our roster a year ago and who potentially could be coming back in 21, I really thought this year had a, a chance to be a special season. And that's what it's been so far. But don't overlook the fact, just because they're having a lot of guys back, they have a lot of experienced players, does not mean they haven't had significant losses. They've had seismic losses during the off season. They haven't had the big injury during the regular season, knock on wood, but Dave Clawson still overcome really big losses. How about Kenneth Walker? Robert, I'll confess, at ACC kickoff, when we were talking about Wake, I told you I had concerns that if they didn't start 6-1, and one, I'd be worried about this team continuing their bowl streak. I had those concerns based on the news we got at around that time that Javante Nash on the offensive line and Donovan Green were going to be out this year. And my thinking was, you don't just simply lose one of your leading rushers in Kenneth Walker. At that time, we didn't know he'd be a Heisman candidate. But for this argument's sake, let's just say you don't lose a Heisman-quality running back and lose a second-round draft pick on the defensive line and not experience drop-off. Oh, and maybe your best wide receiver, Donovan Green, He's supposed to be just as good, if not better, than Jaquari Roberson going into the year. And certainly A.T. Perry. Those are massive losses. Sade Surratt, lose him in the offseason to the draft. You lose an offensive lineman, and none of it has mattered. It hasn't mattered because they still have three running backs that they roll in. <laughs> it's not just CBS, Christian Beal Smith. It's, it's Justice Ellison, too. And at wide receiver, it isn't just Jaquari Roberson. It's A.T. Perry, who, like Chris Carter, seems to only catch long touchdown passes. And it's Taylor Marin. They've got guys catching the ball left and right. Sam Hartman has figured out a way to make it look, and he looks like an elite-level quarterback in college football. But the main reason why nobody's done a better job in college football than Dave Clawson this year and why he should win National Coach of the Year it's Wake Forest. I mean that with all due respect to Wake Forest University. As the host of the longest-running local triad show, I mean that with respect. But nobody has ever done what Dave Clawson is doing right now at Wake Forest. It's unprecedented. <laughs> it's why Ryan McGee, even though he's in the state of North Carolina, national college football reporter for ESPN, when the rankings came out, don't bury the lead. Wake Forest is at number nine. The smallest Power 5 school. The last Power 5 school to never be ranked in the top ten of the AP poll. That changing this week is number nine in the playoff ranking. They are right there with unbeaten Oklahoma. You had a committee chair sitting there in Gary Barta who said that they couldn't really distinguish. It's razor thin the difference between an unbeaten Oklahoma team 
and unbeaten Wake Forest. Give them the trophy now. I don't even care what happens the last month of the season. At Wake Forest, we are having this conversation despite the fact they lost Kenneth Walker, Boogie Basham, Sage Surratt, Donovan Green, lost all these guys, and it hasn't mattered. They haven't had drop-off. They've been historically good, better than anything we've ever seen at Wake. It's an unbelievable coaching job. Unbelievable is used loosely in our culture. But in this context, it is an apt word. It's unbelievable, beyond belief, what Clawson's doing right now. He is the best coach in college football in 2021. On Twitter, at WSJS Sports, 336-777-1600. Wake Forest fans, do you second what I say? Or do you think I'm being disrespectful towards the Deeds? 777-1600, the number there. Robert, in radio, you got to be honest. You got to try and call a spade a spade. At times, you might have to push something you don't believe in. I try not to do that very often. Tonight, I don't think I'll be able to sell tonight's sports late. Can't do it. I'm sorry. I don't think I can sell it. Nor do I want to. I don't think I have the energy to do so. Tonight might be a board game type of night. Tonight might be a read-a-book type of night. Haven't read McConaughey's book yet since they sent it to us last year. Haven't read. I haven't finished this Wright Thompson book I've been reading. But tonight, Robert, this is what we've got. In football, Colts-Jets. Robert, give me your best sales pitch. Colts-Jets tonight in Indy. Uh, White Mike had a terrific week last week. Yeah, White Mike. I I don't know. I, I'm kind of down with the Jets tonight. Down with the Jets? Wow. You think the Jets are going to win the night? I think they'll make it a better game than the Jets have played the last week, Sands last week. Uh-huh. How about that stat I mentioned during best bets? Primetime prime time games, the favorite, 1-10 against the spread. The line tonight, the Jets are getting 10.5. Am I hearing that Robert thinks the Jets are going to cover 10 and yeah, a half. They're going to cover. Whoa! Controversy. Now we're in. Robert thinks it's going to be a good game tonight that we have here on WSJS Sports. That's what he's saying. Watch White Mike turn back into Mike White on me, though. Yeah. Then you got, what, Josh, I'm sure there's other football options. What about on ESPN? What do we got? Louisiana's playing Georgia State. Now, Louisiana, that might be the team Appalachian State plays if App continues to win in the East Division of the Sun Belt. So, yeah, you might want to keep an eye on Louisiana. What if Louisiana loses to Georgia State? I think every team in that division, the West Division, has at least two losses. Louisiana's unbeaten, and they're a big favorite tonight. I don't think that's going to be much of a game. But you might think, Josh, it's Thursday. That means TNT. Just We'll see what Chuck and Kenny are talking about. There are no TNT NBA games tonight. I don't know why. They're on NBA TV. Perhaps that's why there are no marquee matchups to talk about. Unless you want to watch the aforementioned Josh Giddy go up against the Lakers late night. There are no Hornets or Carolina Hurricanes games tonight. Shouts to the Canes. Unbeaten at this point at 9-0-0. So I, I think I 
Unless Mike White, or excuse me, what are we calling him now? White Mike. Oh, White Mike. Gotcha. Unless White Mike makes that game interesting like Robert thinks he's going to do, this is a board game or book night for me. Are you? Oh, book night. That's pretty funny. You know, like James Book Night for the Hornets. It, gotcha. I got it. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite board game? Uh, to describe the night, am I playing with my family or am I friends. playing with my friends? Uh, with friends, it's probably. And I said board game, not card game. There is a distinction there. Yeah, for sure. There's a board in one mm-hmm. in one of them. I had this conversation with somebody, and they said, "I love Cards Against Humanity." I said board game. Yeah, you can't <laughs> let that fly. Uh, apples to apples, not a board game. I don't know. I I wish I could say that I was into Settlers of Catan because I've always wanted to play it. But yeah, I, never I tried have, it once. I was out. I never have friends who want to play it or know how to play it. And it's see, like I have friends a, who want to play it, but it's just I tried once and no. See, it's just nerdy enough that I would be all about it. Uh, so I would say Settlers of Catan because I've been trying to play it for like three years now. But I w- I'll probably go with uh, Monopoly or Sorry. Sorry's a lot of fun, too. See, Super easy. I was going to go Sorry. It's between that and Trivial Pursuit for me. I love Trivial Pursuit. Clue, underrated. I, but I, how many people do you need to play Clue? You can do it with two. You can do two. It's just a, a not a very large mystery. I mean, it, it's not, it doesn't <laughs> have to be two people that are playing the game because the person who did the killing is in the envelope. So it could be someone that is not playing. Right. So you're still right. trying to figure out like where uh the instrument was found or risk where it can was. get the hell out of here. See, I I like risk. Nope. I'm out on risk. So it might be that type of night. I'll see what type of board game Sarah Bradford has. I think she has Winston Salem Napoli. <laughs> but the only problem with Winston Salem Napoli and all these other games that are themed like cities like actual cities and they change some of the places like intern nick didn't you say you had san francisco giants monopoly or something like that yeah i have san francisco giants and a nascar monopoly my problem with it and you tell me if this is the case with your games is that they don't change the pieces like it'd be cool if the pieces for winston sale monopoly were like a donut like Krispy Kreme or texas pete or something of that sort no, no, they changed parts of the board, but not the pieces. What's your piece? What do you go with? The shoe. I'm a top hat man. Give mm. me that top hat. Do I have that right with the the San Francisco Giants one as well? I'd imagine it's all consistent that way. Yeah, so the pieces are all the same, like a baseball bat, a hot dog, a catcher's mask. But mine, the board itself is like before the World Series championships and before like the players you see now. So Whoa, 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 so whoa. You your pieces, pieces? Your pieces are... Or a hot dog and a catcher's mat? Yeah, because like I, I, it's not like specific like players. It's just like kind of the pieces are like oh, a that's fine. Like all yeah. I have is the same ones for the regular Monopoly game for Winston Salem Monopoly. Uh, At I least see. yours are baseball themed. You see, but that makes yeah. sense though. Like if it's Winston Salem, like how many of those even went into circulation? They probably had to order them. I know. Even, I'm just saying it's kind of a bummer. It, does the NASCAR one have different cars? I. I don't remember. I the NASCAR I think like one's like a flag set, I think. One's like a race car, one might be a tire. It's been a while since I see the NASCAR one, but yeah, the baseball is just like catch cuz you can't really do like players yeah, yeah, yeah. on the pieces. That would be really hard, so they just put them on the board. Yeah, I, I think they 
about it. I have a Hogwarts one, and I think those are like Hogwarts-related pieces too, like the sorting mm -hmm. hat and stuff like that. I'll keep you guys posted on what board game I end up playing because I think it is a board game night, given the sports light. He's really, really cocky. Hold on and go with the ride. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. The Greensboro Swarm open their season tomorrow, facing the Birmingham Squadron. You got to remember, last basketball season, there weren't any games played at the Fieldhouse. They just had in February at the Disney Bubble about a month of games that they played to serve as the G League season. So this being the fifth-year anniversary season, it's been a very long time since we've been able to watch Greensboro Swarm basketball, and they're giving us a roster worth watching. With JT Thor, the second-round draft pick, being on the opening night roster that they announced a couple of hours ago, you look at Mitchell Wilbekin from Wake Forest. He's going to be on the team maybe later in the year. We might see Luke May, former Blue Devil, Vernon Carey, He's on this roster. And uh, a guy who now joins us, LiAngelo Ball. Jello. You can watch him tomorrow night in the triad. Somebody I've been wanting to catch up with for a while now. LiAngelo, man, tomorrow night, we're hoping it's going to be a pretty, uh, a pretty big crowd on site. Given what the pandemic's been like and trying to get back out on a basketball court and limited people able to go out and see you play in summer league, what do you imagine you're going to be feeling when you hit the floor tomorrow? Uh, it's still going to be fun to just be out there and be playing with the team and stuff. You know, whoever pulls up to see it, I mean, I, I feel like we'll put on a show for them. So hopefully they come out and watch. You know, I think Jell it'll be a good night, fun night tomorrow. Yeah, I think so too. Jello, I want to get to know you a little bit rather than just talking about a lot of the hoop things here. I heard LaMelo in an interview say he was 16 years old when he got his first tattoos. I think I think you probably have more tattoos than he does. So how old were you when you got your first tat? Uh, I was 17. 17 years old. What was it? It was uh, my chest. Did your dad care at all? Uh, I know he didn't like tattoos, but I always, like, I always drew when I was younger and stuff, so I knew I was going to get tattoos when I was younger. Somebody who heard you were coming on wrote into the show saying, Asking if you found a tattoo artist in Greensboro you liked yet. No, I haven't been looking. I've been on all hoops out here, man. <laughs> yeah, how long have you been out in Greensboro now? I've been out here for about uh, probably a week or two. Right. Yeah, well, finally going to get a chance to hit the floor uh, tomorrow night. Look forward to watching it. It is LiAngelo Ball joining us here on WSJS Sports. Watch Jello and the Swarm tomorrow night. How old do you remember when you received that, that? How old were you when you realized that you and your family were kind of famous? Because when I said that you were coming on either yesterday or today, the internet, it just kind of explodes when we talk about you or talk about any of your brothers or your dad. How old were you when you realized, wow, we're actually, people actually know who we are? She's uh, probably sounds like. Uh, since I can remember when we were super young, my, my dad always had us around, like, 
a bunch of people having us play basketball and stuff. So we always had like a crowd coming to see us. So that's what I can remember. So I don't know. I've been seeing that just growing up. So it's not really new to me. Was there any point that it felt uncomfortable to you, though? No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I've been through it as a kid, so it's definitely not uncomfortable now being around a bunch of people and knowing that they're there to watch me. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it phases you. If they come in to watch, then I try to put on a show for them. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it phases you at all. And it doesn't really seem like it phases your brothers either. Particularly LaMelo, because Lonzo, tell me if I have a good read on this. Like, he seems to be like this quieter, more introverted type, while LaMelo seems a lot more like your dad. No, they both they both get the job done for sure, but in their own ways. Like Zoe's more like Zoe's um I don't know, he'll just like he'll lead through example for sure. Like he'll do it first and then you, everybody will catch on. It's like contagious like that. And then Melo is more vocal for sure. But Melo's been like wild since he was little, so <laughs> I, that's not new. How would you describe yourself in comparison? Are you more like Zoe or are you more like Melo? Uh, I don't know. I just do my own thing. Like when I go on the court, I have my own mindset. I just, jeez, I just want to be there and play my artist for real. Yeah. Jello, Jello Ball with us here on WSGS Sports. What was that experience at summer league like for you? It was a good experience. I knew I was going to have the time to play and be there. So I don't know. I just made the most of it. Uh, took what I can get from it and then went from there. Tell me what impressed you about James Booknight's game, playing with him a little bit in the summer. Uh, it was good. He was on um, when he was on the team. It was, it was cool getting to know him and stuff in practice. It yeah, cool. he's he, he's gonna he's the first round pick. And Kai Jones, he was also there as well. Like in terms of athletic guys you've played with, is he one of the more athletic guys you've seen as a big? Yeah, he's for sure. He he can for sure get up there. Uh, he has he has a lot of athleticism. But yeah. Last thing for you, Leangelo Ball joining us here. Uh, James Borrego has told us, Hornets coach, that we see some of the crazy things that Lamelo does on the floor, but at practice he tries things that are even more crazy than that. So playing pickup with Lamelo and playing with him as much as you have pretty much your entire life, Jello. What's the craziest thing you've ever seen him do on a basketball floor? Uh, that's very accurate by uh, James Brego for sure. Like, when I play pickup with him, he gets in his bag. He be trying stuff I've never seen, honestly. And uh, the craziest thing I've seen, what it caught me off guard, is uh, he went baseline one time and took off from, like, outside the box and ended up reversing it on the other side of the rim. And I didn't think he had that in him, I'm not going to lie. Did he act like it was a big deal when he did it, or did, was he a Not guy that was trying to act like, oh, that's just that's how I got it? Yeah, he just did it and ran off. Like, nothing happened. <laughs> what did you tell him about the, the, the fluorescent green car that he has that matches the suit? Like, he kind of looked like a Bond villain a little bit, but are you, <laughs> are you the guy who can tell him, Jello, it looks like you're trying to, to like... To, to pair up with the Joker and and stifle Batman. No, that's tough. I think his I think his suit was nice. Car looked nice too. Yeah. How are you gonna roll up tomorrow night? Swarm van. I'll be there. 
what I'm talking about. Hey, have fun tomorrow night, and uh, welcome to Greensboro. Thanks so much for doing this, Jello. I mean, thanks. There you go. That's Jello Ball joining us here on WSJS Sports.